0: Your home for Utah's best sports radio. With the hosts that have been with the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars for every step of the way.
1: This is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The
0: Zone and The Zone Sports Network. yes! DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. David's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. I want my own private talk show. I need to know,
1: what's the word? I know the Pac-12 has lost any, like, reasonable, like, they don't, they don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. Um, what do we think of this hire? What do we like? What do we think of the process? What do we think? Did they get cheap? Did they screw it up? Did they? Is this a move to the future? It's not Larry Scott or whatever his name was, so that's good. What's our thought?
0: Go ahead, Mister Pack Twelve, Pack Ten, Pack Eight lifer.
2: Yeah, I don't know. why I'm not a Pack Eight. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: you came in with ASU. They made it nine and ten it's an
2: outside the box hire but you know i was an outside the box hire so i I can't really look at it and say oh it's outside the box so that's brutal you know he has a lot of relationships and as we know relationships matter uh so i think in all the stuff that he can work towards improving he can but i have concern about the on the field product in football football is the great driver and, you know, I have been all over this country covering games. I've been to Michigan, Alabama, LSU, Wisconsin. And you guys have too, I'm sure, to one extent or another. And I just don't know that our side of the country, there's all that passion for that type of football, the win-at-all-cost mentality. So can they get there, the Pac-12, where it wants to be on level with the Big Ten and the ACC, particularly Clemson, and the SEC through several conferences? I tell the story, when I went to cover Utah State at LSU, uh, tailgates were there on a Wednesday. Wednesday, man, Wednesday, because I was down there to cover minor league baseball, which didn't happen, but that's another story. So I got into town three, four days earlier before the game. And I just don't know that there's that passion. But I believe he can help on all these other things that they can work towards improving. So, yes, on the the off-the-field stuff, big question mark on the the on-the-field stuff. What are the four biggest issues confronting the Pac-12 that they can actually
1: fix?
0: Well, DJ, you want it? they still need to uh, iron out the whole direct TV thing. Their yes. next TV deal needs to include better exposure. I think they need to negotiate a certain number. I don't know if it's weekly, but a certain number of exposures with ESPN, Fox, maybe CBS is going to get involved now that they're losing SEC. Whoever it is, where they their mark, they're like their two best teams have to play a lot of games in one thirty or five o'clock windows on ESPN or 2 or 6 o'clock on Fox and ABC. And they are still going to have to provide Pac-12 after dark with teams that are in the middle of the league. And the teams at the bottom of the league are going to go to the Pac-12 network and play whenever. But they need to get teams that are top 5, top 10, top 15. They need those teams, the top two teams in each division, need to be playing at 130 and at 5 and at 6. So the country sees them, and recruits see the conference, and those highlights are replayed through all the games the rest of the day. So those are a couple things. But I think they got to look forward, and there's two big things. I've read stuff that the Pac-12 is uniquely positioned with the entertainment industry in L.A. to crush it on a level no one's anticipating with name, image, and likeness that the ability to be an influencer on social media, the money you can make in the short run when you're in school and how it sets you up for the rest of your life could be a big-time game changer. You're probably better equipped to analyze that and see if that's undersold or oversold than I am. What you did with Locked On Sports Network starts to, t- starts to take you down that path. But I've read, a l- I've read multiple things that that's a big deal, and the Pac-12 has to get that right. And then the other thing is he was on the board of BetMGM, and it's only a matter of time between before people are gambling on their phones in-game. Are you going to score on the next possession? What will the over-under be in the second half of this game? Literally, people may be gambling on whether teams are running or passing on the next, on the next snap, all instantly on your phone. It's supposed to be a new revenue stream. There was a time when teams made zero off merchandise. Right, first it was tickets, then it was tickets and TV, and now merchandising is this massive revenue stream. And guys are making incredible money on shoe deals. Golfers are making money off the course. In addition, to whatever they win in a tour tournaments, they're doubling, tripling, quadrupling that money off the course. And so the Pac-12 has to get that stuff right going forward. He may be well positioned to to really do well with the NIL and the you know the BetMGM background. You know, where is this going? Maybe you can figure that out.
1: That's not minor. I, I would share with you that in my lockdown meeting I'm still a part of, that's probably 60% of my meetings right now. Um, and one of these conferences is going to sell the naming rights to their entire conference to one of these gambling people for a few hundred million.
0: So that is already starting to happen for people who missed it. Sinclair bought a bunch of regional sports networks. Right. And Bally's, so Bally's they, they renamed yeah. them Bally's, Yeah.
1: So the next one, now, I've heard that deal's not as great as they would hope it to be. Some things didn't come together. But the Pac-12 network presented by BetMGM, FanDuel, DraftKings, SEC, brought to their entire network sponsored by uh, one of these groups is coming.
0: All right, David, that's a nice sidebar right there, but people want to talk basketball with you, and I probably want to talk turnovers with you, but let's give the people (laughs) what they want, David. And what they want to know is, are Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley getting healthy? Are they going to be 100% for the playoffs? You probably can't answer all of this, um, but Conley is obviously questionable, so that's at least some step forward, whether he plays or not against Oklahoma City remains to be seen. What do you know? And then beyond that, what do you think?
1: feels like we're going to see Mike Conley tonight. Like if you go back throughout the year, whenever someone's been questionable, they end up playing that day. Like when they come out of this out to questionable, then it's like go through warmups and if everything's okay, they play. That's been the pattern. So I'm expecting to see Mike Conley tonight. Um, if he doesn't go, it's not the end of the world or anything like that. But it's, uh, I do feel like that, you know, that sounds like they are definitely moving him in that direction. Um, there was once this year I went back and looked through my notes there was one player that once this year where someone was questionable and they ended up not playing. Um, so uh, it's not 100% on that. Um, but it, that's been the majority of the time we've gone from that, this progression. In regards to Donovan, I mean, I just don't know. Like, and, you know, what's his, what's his win going to be and what's his physical conditioning going to be? I mean, they, in one sense, you get another, you know, eight days. We won't play game one till Sunday, um, I don't think um and so uh, you know that's good uh but I also and so what do you do do you scrimmage Tuesday Thursday next week like I, I you know and, and then how do you get Donovan ramped up to 40 minutes a night which is really what you want him to be and I, I don't think you can get that so I think he'll you're not getting Donovan at, at prime level um just you know deducing logic not with any medical background at all
2: all right, would that just be for round one then? And if they advance at round two's level, he would be ready to go to that, what you're speaking of?
1: You know, I don't actually know that, PK. Like, I, I, I don't know how long it takes for an elite athlete to ramp back up completely, so I, I don't know. I mean, what I've watched over the years is I always laugh, like, I think it's game two or three of the NBA season, like always the single worst game you see players play, Right. Like, they think they're all ready, they go through training camp, then all of a sudden they play 34 minutes, and then you watch them on the second or third game of the season, and, like, you literally can see, like, oh, my gosh, their legs hurt every step they take, right? Like, as elite as they are, that when they suddenly have to go do it at that level. So I would suspect that there's a progression that you have to work through that Donovan would be going back through after having a month away from the game.
0: Yeah, I completely buy that, and I think that that impacts not just Donovan, but that's for LeBron James, who seems to be in a really similar uh-huh. situation, is not having a week or two at the end of the season to get back into the flow of things. Uh, I'm about to call it up here, but Mike Conley went through it last year, and it has really bugged me, the narrative around Mike Conley. And and you know, David, I'll bet you remember that the first time that there was a rumor about trading for Conley um, – It didn't happen. It was like a mid-season thing, right? And you called me and like, why are you not big on this? And I'm like, his injury history. This is trending the wrong way. Now, subsequently, he had some surgery, and then he had a stretch of games where he played. He played pretty well for Memphis. And so that kind of calmed down my worries because, honestly, I thought there was a chance he'd be retired by now. It was trending so poorly at one point. Um, And so last year—
1: I'm not sure I I totally
0: agree with that. He had one— Big injury that cost him like 60
1: games. Otherwise, he's been floating around 70 until he got to Utah. Now this hamstring thing is a real issue.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, you probably summarized it better (laughs) than I did. But that one big stretch really worried me about going and acquiring him when he had so much money. But last year, I thought the narrative got way out of whack um, about it's taking him forever. Well, his first, like, 20 games he played— He didn't fit in, and it was different, and it wasn't going well. But then he got hurt, and when he came back, he struggled. But when he came back, it was what I thought he was going through, what you just said, which is it takes a half dozen games to get back into it. And once he got into it, there's a spot you can look in his numbers where it clicked. He got the system, he got his teammates, and he was healthy, and it was great from then. So really, to me, it was 20-games adjustment, then it was injury, then it was six games of getting back in the flow after being gone a long time. But I bring that up because that like half dozen games that Mike struggled with I think is totally normal. That's what I think LeBron and uh, Donovan are going to face. And as we all know, in the first round of the playoffs, if you don't perform well for six games, it can be all over.
1: Well, it can be really all over if you're playing the Lakers or the Warriors. (laughs) I mean, I think I made an argument the other day that I think if we can get out of the first round, we can go to the NBA Finals. I just don't know we can get out of the first round. Because the one thing our guys don't have in their back pocket of a reservoir of knowledge is how to knock out a champion. You know, they didn't do a very good job last year when they had to win the final game. Um, And if they are playing Draymond or Steph, what do you think those guys are going to be like if they're down 3-2? Like, I don't think our guys have ever – Quite experience what they would experience, what they're going to experience with Steph and Draymond down three two, and I'm certain they've never experienced what they ex- experienced with LeBron down three two, and so they don't have right now in their reservoir of experiences knocking someone out of the playoffs and and knowing how to do that. Now, if they do that, what that propels them to next, I think, is really mammoth. So maybe in some weird way, we're playing this this playoffs in a backwards order, Um, you know, which is that you're playing your Western conference final kind of test first, and then you're moving your way through the playoffs. But if we can, if that's who we end up playing and let's not forget about Memphis, they will play golden state in one of the more interesting games the NBA has ever had um, on the final night of the regular season in the middle of the day. The winner of that takes the 8th seed. The loser takes the ninth seed. That game is now for 8-9, um, and I would assume the Warriors get it. It's at Oakland, but Memphis is surprised before, and, and who knows? Um, but anyway, if we do, in fact, play the Warriors or the Lakers in the first round, I, I think that's the biggest test we may see, only because our guys don't have that experience.
2: So I'm assuming that an Oklahoma City team that is watered down shouldn't be much of an issue. But what's your level of concern for Sacramento?
1: gonna be a tough night, right? Final night of the year, playing footloose, fancy free, sure the bags are packed. Maybe it's – I don't think it's 3-2-1 Cancun. Um, but I, I, that'll be – you know, they're playing in front of the home crowd and on one of the few nights in California this year where they've had fans. It's The final – you know, end on a win. Like you're playing, you're playing very free – you, you, you've got some energy, you've got no pressure. I think that one's a that will not be a walkover. And we beat them by 50 last time, which is not to our benefit at this point.
0: How much do you think uh, Clarkson and Bogdanovich have improved on the mental side of the game because suddenly they are getting treated like star players and they are facing all kinds of stuff that, There's just a level of preparation and focus on them that I don't think they felt at this level, carrying the expectations this team is carrying, fighting for the one seed. How much does that help them down the line?
1: I'm actually I want you to elaborate on that because you clearly think the answer is yes. So I had not thought of this before, so I'd be totally full of crap right now if I answered this with some affirmative. Give me your thoughts. I want to hear what you have
0: to say. It really it started because of an answer Clarkson gave. And he it was about a week ago and he said they're doing a lot of things at me right from the start. And then he laughed and he goes, they're kind of showing their hand. And it goes to, you know, the the double teams, the blitzing, the top blocking. But it was kind of like there was in this tone. He was listing all this stuff, but it's like they have to use all this stuff on me in the first half of games. And I've seen it all now. And it was just this level of confidence in his answer, like he got something that he didn't get before. Now, does that mean that he always hits the big shot? Does that mean that uh, he completely... Um, you know, mentally has just gone to another level. The basketball IQ has been ratcheted up, and this guy's going to – I'm big on problem-solving in the playoffs. They throw all kinds of stuff at you. They prep for you like they've never prepped. And if you can't solve it like this, you're going lose four games so fast. Now, having said that, we saw him with a chance to win a game at Golden State, and he hit, an unbel- in my mind, an unbelievable shot. And then he didn't score on the last three possessions. Subsequently, the NBA says, oops, we missed a foul on a three-point shot, which I thought was a horrible shot. Well, it turns out it was a horrible-looking shot because he got fouled. Um, So it's not like he automatically comes through every time. So I think there's somewhere in the middle, how much does he really get out of that? I mean, if he got everything out of it, he would have scored on the last three possessions. They would have won the Golden State game, right? But there's still some level of confidence he has. I'm just wondering how much that is, how real that is, how much that's going to matter, and I wondered what you knew.
1: So it's interesting. I mean, this is a classic example of where this year we're pretty restricted in finding these things out. There's no follow up questions, right? Like, I mean, not to just belabor the point, but this is one where, you know, you really this is this is one where the offline discussion probably teaches you everything you need to know. So I'm pretty limited here in what I can tell you. Um, but I did think that the golden Ron Boone pointed this out on the broadcast, that Golden State game, um, I thought that what they did is they took away his right hand in the first half and he adapted. He pulled into threes quicker so that they couldn't get set. And then he started straight line driving with going to the basket um, in the first, in the second half with the left hand. I mean, he just beat them three or four straight times, just straight to the basket. That's what changed his night. And then you actually saw in the game against Portland where he straight line drove a few times uh, as well. And he's just not usually been a straight. He's been driving so much to get into his move that, when they they overplayed his move, he suddenly was straight line driving it. Um, Portland had a brilliant game plan against us. They switched everything one through five, except when Clarkson was on the floor, and then they doubled and hard hedged on Clarkson. And so that was just a great game plan, and I thought negated him. But, you know, he had a pretty good game. Um, So uh, it's interesting. There's no question that Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, and Jordan Clarkson are going through a vastly different world of where they are on the scouting report and probably considering the fact that two of the three of those has had checkered uh, playoff back history, it's probably a good experience for them. So it's an astute point on your part, DJ.
2: You talk about Mitchell reincorporating back in the lineup. Do you think when that comes that it, the, what we've seen, even if he's not in prime physical condition – but I'm just talking about the offensive sets and the schemes. Does that change, or do we go back to what we saw before? I'm not
1: following you. Sorry. Like, what, 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 would be, well, what did like, we have before?
2: Is it still Donovan's team? Yeah, basically because we've seen Bogdanovich flourish. And Clarkson's shots. So, well, Clarkson's kind of different because he comes off the bench. But I'm just looking at basically how does Mitchell's return affect somebody like Boyan, who's really taken off? Now, maybe he would have done it anyway, but certainly, you know, just the other night aside, he's been on a roll.
0: Now, Boyan's
2: explosion is completely
1: related to him getting more touches and his t- getting more touches early in games. There's. There's just no question. I mean, right. so how does that work? With
2: and Conley yeah. coming back?
1: So I, it's a great question, and it's, they're gonna have to figure it out. I think, I think there'll be two parts that have an impact. One, I think Boyan's more confident. He, he just lost confidence during the season, so I think he'll be more confident about, you know, asserting himself and feeling rightful and asserting himself. Uh, but certainly, Mike Conley playing better and some of the rotation changes they made this year gave my gave less um confidence to uh, or less of a role for Boyan, um, so I do think he'll be more assertive, and I think his teammates who've probably always had faith in him, but certainly will be more willing right now if he gets hot to let him ride. You know, the unique thing to who we are is, is that we have three pick-and-roll guys who all have actually run about the same amount of pick-and-rolls throughout the season in Joe Donovan and uh, mike and then how do you create for boy off of that and i think that that'll be the key is getting everyone back is that we get back to this you know three-headed pick and roll monster which usually is two right usually two of them are on the floor together at the same time and for the playoffs i would guess the two of them are on the floor almost all the time and you know picking your spots based on their matchups and what's available and going and taking those matchups and then that plays in, to off of that, does Boyan have something he can exploit? His decision-making has just been far better. He's been far quicker with his decisions and more confident. And then part two of that, he's just been much better at rim finishing. Quinn explained to me he's kind of learned when to go two feet, when to go one foot, when to try to slide by, when to power through to draw the contact. And his rim finishing was at about 50%, and in the last 20 games it's been at about 66%. And that's really been the massive difference in his game. And even he said in one of those conversations that his rim struggling impacted his three-point shooting. I'm not sure I'd buy that in just because it doesn't actually work that way, except for the fact that, like, he now believes that. So, then, so it's true, if that makes sense. I think that's an after-the-fact creation. But he believes it. So now if he makes layups, he makes threes. Players are, players are wonderful people.
0: Is there any particular – and maybe I'm just noticing it and maybe I'm not recollecting everything properly so the problem could be in my head. But it seems like the Jazz have had a little more problem finishing quarters lately, a couple glaring ones. You know, I mean, a half-court shot goes in. That always sucks. Uh, but getting caught napping at halftime of the Portland game, you know, one second left and giving up a bucket. And there have been a couple other quarters that kind of jumped out at me. Has that been a problem or I just noticing the bad and focusing on it?
1: Um. Well, one, we found out that Jordan Clarkson, who was a track star, never played strong safety, right? <laughs> like, he took the worst angle I've ever seen, ever. Um, so, on that play, um, I say that it was some fun. Um, you know, I will tell you that the only thing the metrics show is that Jordan takes a lot of our shots at the end of quarters. He made one the other night. He has not made most of them. In fact, he has one of the lower percentages of anyone in the league now they've kind of gotten into that They give Jordan the ball late in the quarter. And you know what? Like, I get it. He wants it. Most guys don't want it. So you might as well give it to him. Um, the only other thing I would say on that is when I've watched Jordan all year, Jordan kind of needs some freedom to set up his moves and make one move into the next move into the next move. And when he gets late in the clock, he loses that ability. And I think it, I think that's related to why, He is not a particularly high-efficiency player at the end of quarters. He did make one um, the other night, um, but I think, if I'm correct, he's now 6 of 33 when he shoots. um, I can't remember if it's the final five seconds of the shot of a quarter, but it's something like that. So he's like 6 of 33, which is, you know, guys aren't good at that, right? Let's make sure we're perfectly clear on, like, that, that's not something that people shoot a particularly high percentage, but I think, it's the, I think it's the fifth most of any player, and it's like the fifth worst of anyone who's taken a lot of them. I'm ballparking those numbers, by the way. Just not the 6 of 33. I'm right on that. But the rankings are, you know, I'm, I'm top five, bottom five kind of concept.
0: All right, David, we need to leave it there. We're way late to break, but uh, good stuff with you. We appreciate it when we talk to you next week. Do you know if the playoffs will be set? Is the West going Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Is the NBA announced that, or are they waiting to find out if they have the Lakers and the Warriors?
1: <laughs> they have not announced anything. I think the only thing I do know is I believe Tuesday, Wednesday, are the um, 7, 8, 9, 10 games. I'm not sure in what order, if they're going east. I, I would suspect that they do. Um, uh, well, I don't know.
0: I mean, right, yeah, if, they right. have
1: Steph, if they have Steph versus LeBron as a play I would think they would open, for TV purposes, they would play that first. Yep. On, on the other end, there's some argument that you would need to play the East one day and the West the other, or else it's a real disadvantage. If you play nine on the first day, and then nine knows they're traveling, but they don't know where they're traveling to, and then seven, eight, eight 8 has to travel back home to play again. That seems like a disadvantage to someone in there, but maybe not. Maybe it's not that bad. All right, David. And actually, actually, wait a sec. Wait a sec. <laughs> they have to do it by – do I don't know they're gonna do it, it, <laughs> okay. if the they're going to do it. Okay. They have to do it by conference or else you end up – somewhere has to play back-to-back if you don't do it by conference.
0: We'll let you argue with yourself, and then we will check back uh, in a week.
1: Okay. TV doesn't work very well for conference,
0: though. Right. I know. Exactly. That's why I wonder what the heck they were doing. Thank you, David. David Locke, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, we get you up to speed on the stuff you missed in this show next. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought you apart part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now, and you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound two fifty and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. All right, PK, time to catch people up on stuff we've been talking about. We haven't hit it for a while, but the Jazz magic number is two. Any combination of two Jazz wins and/or Suns losses. Makes the Jazz the number one seed, gives them the best record in the NBA. Now, they ought to pick up one of those games tonight. They're 14-and-a-half point favorites over the Thunder. They nearly picked up one last night. The Suns were in danger of losing their third in a row and for the fourth time in five games. A double dribble, two missed free throws. The last 10 seconds of that game were something. A ticky-tack foul call? That was crazy. ticky tack Ticky, tack. It, was ticky, leg- burden, ticky it, tack it was legitimately, by the letter of the law, a foul. I thought he hit him on the elbow. But we have both seen thousands of fouls that were worse than that and not get called.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the Warrior game with the Jazz the other night. Yeah. Uh, so, absolutely, yeah. And it wasn't literally the last play. But I, w- I wouldn't have called it. Uh, I-, I just don't like referees deciding. It-, it To me, you call it if you absolutely have to call it. If you don't, don't, and I, but that's the way I look at it. And I know the purists of foul in the first is a foul in the fourth. Fine, I disagree. And so I want the players to decide it. And there's there's pushing and shoving. And the, the thing about it is there's no consistency. You know, Malone can bear hug Barkley, hmm. and no, oh, what a great shot. And so so there if there was some level of consistency, it's like a strike zone. If I know the high strike is going to be called the entire game, all right, well, I know it. I can deal with it. But if it's going to be called one time but not another, that's what drives managers and players crazy. And so here, you know, sometimes it's called, sometimes it's not. I think that's the bigger issue rather than if it's a foul in the fourth, it's a foul in the first, and a second, and so forth and so on, is the inconsistency of what is going to be called at the end of the game. And maybe Powell does things differently. And I don't think he needed to be put himself in the position to do that. But it's clear that Booker is going to be able to get the ball at the end. He's done that several times for the Suns. And Portland should have done something to try to prevent that a little bit better. And then Covington missing the two free throws would have put him up three, makes the task more difficult, but he clanks both of them. So it was an entertaining game uh, to see these teams fight. I don't know how much the play-in deal matters. Portland, sure, they're trying to stay out of seventh, but rather than that, I think they're trying to get fifth is the the way I look at it rather than they're trying to stay out of seventh. Maybe if the play-in wasn't there, maybe a seventh wouldn't be as difficult, so possibly uh, I'm willing to go with the play-in. Uh, it's here, so I might as well go with it anyway. And I'm specifically willing to go with it when we get to early next week and I get to watch the games.
0: <laughs> That'll yeah. make me sign off on it. Yeah, yeah. Jazz owner Dwayne Wade. There's a phrase I never thought I'd get to use. Jazz owner Dwayne Wade was talking about it on TNT on Tuesday night. And and, and partly you got to recognize everything he's saying. I mean, he's friends with LeBron, right? And he knows LeBron's come out hard against it. He said, if I were in the locker room, I'm not sure I'd like it. If I had to play in it. He says, but I'm sitting on this side of the desk now. I like it. <laughs> he says, but I'm on this side of the desk. So he's clearly, you know, you know, giving his, giving his friend LeBron a little room. But it's also, I think that's where we're all going to get because we like the NFL playoffs and March Madness for the one-and-done nature. You sit down, and for two or three hours, people playing on full well, the loser goes home. And it leads to a phenomenal amount of effort, and it leads to a high level of competition. And you were talking earlier this morning, you know, Olympic sports and who gets into them. And the new Pac-12 commissioner says, we know where our bread is buttered. We have to win in football and then in men's basketball. And it doesn't mean that the Conference of Championships doesn't want to win in all these other sports. But you got to win in the big dogs. But anytime, any sport, when you see people laying it all out there, it tends to suck you in. <laughs> you get buy-in. And so even if you're not big on this, I'll bet you get buy-in when the games start happening.
2: Oh, I know. I'll have it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know agree. you. 100%. I know
0: you will. But even for the people grumbling in their cars right now, they're they're gonna have it if 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 <laughs> I mean if the Lakers and the Warriors are playing and LeBron and Steph are going at it, really, you're gonna turn away? It seems unlikely.
2: Uh, it Does seem unlikely? I don't necessarily need that though. I don't need that level. I mean, I can oh, take you it at a lower level.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we may get uh, we may get a really good game from the Grizzlies and Warriors here as they try to stay in the seven eight game and not be in the nine ten game.
2: Yeah, That's fine. I mean, I could watch high school, just whatever. Yep. As long as they're balling and it means everything, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm rolling, no problem by my with me right there. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. So, next week, I'm, I'm gonna sit down and look forward to watching these games for sure.
0: All right, other stuff that uh, we have hit on the Jazz really ought to win tonight because Oklahoma City is terrible, their lineup is uh. Is gutted. One big name after another is out for one reason or another. So the Jazz ought to roll. But Sacramento Sunday, it may not matter if the Suns blow the game Saturday to the Spurs. I don't think they will. The Spurs are going to be the ten seed, so they don't have anything at stake here in the last two games. So I think the Suns win them. Now, if the Suns, if the Jazz win tonight and the Suns lose tomorrow, then the Sunday game doesn't matter. I think it's going to matter. And the Kings are nine and five in the last fourteen. That doesn't – one of those five losses was a game where the Jazz scored 154 points and set a club record. And David Locke just brought up, yeah, that ought to fire the Kings up. Oh, I
2: mean, all and these they, negative things for the Jazz. They can't get out of the first round because they've never gotten out of the first round. Well, if they've never gotten out of the first round and they don't know how to close out, then they're never going to get out of the first round. That's And not then true Sacramento – That's overblown. I mean, Sacramento, we beat them by 50, so that sucks. And they're 13-0 and in their last five games. <laughs> I mean,
0: come on. I love it when you overstate stuff. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, my gosh, we're, geez, everything is negative for these guys? No, I just quit it's,
0: now. It's not negative. It's just I think you hear Sacramento you think easy win. Not going to be an easy win. Doesn't mean the Jazz can't win it. Doesn't mean they shouldn't be favored to win it. And I think they will be favored to win it. But I think we need to recognize the Kings are not mailing in at the end of the year. They're 9-5 in the last 14. Now, maybe they will. Maybe I don't care the last if they're game. fourteen
2: and zero in their last fourteen. They haven't been in the playoffs in fifteen years. Oof. By definition, they're losers. Oof. And now we're anointing them as this most difficult task. And the Jazz somehow have to summon up an effort that seems
0: impossible. We I don't s- buy it. We thought the Suns' ten-year run was horrific, and they did have one good season in there and missed the playoffs. But the other night was were 11, horrific. Yeah. horrific. Yeah, but fifteen. Oof. Oof. All right, new commissioner, we got to go to break. Give him 30 seconds on the new commish.
2: He's got a difficult name to pronounce. He can help in all these other areas that they need help in with all his contacts and TV deals and trying to get all the things that are on the cutting edge, and he's got experience in that way, and he's coming in fired up, man. I don't know if he needed a midlife change or what have you, but I think he's 53 years old, and he is he's ready to go, so – uh, and he's got an entire blackboard of broad brush to paint. So go to it, Pan. Get get going, and let's see what you can draw up. Don't know how much you'll help on the field, but do this other stuff, and then maybe then it can help on the field.
0: Yeah, and then maybe Clay Helton can help on the field. Or maybe Kyle Whittingham.
2: You're leaving out one guy that I want to see help.
0: <sighs> Herman. I'm on the Herm train. You play to win the game. Boy, if he won 12, what kind of hype would that bring to the Pac-12? Can you imagine that? If he went 12-0? 12-0 going into a Pac-12 title game. Can you imagine the hype for that? I'd kiss him on the lips. (laughs) Again. (laughs) All right, when we come back, your tweets, Facebook posts, your feedback, everything you think about today's show next. Stay with us.
2: And it's all over almost here. Don't
0: go nowhere. (laughs) DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for feedback. What you think about today's show. And Ben's tweeting at us. So uh, We were talking about Pac-12 hiring an MGM entertainment guy as a commissioner. Ben says, move to Vegas would be the best for the Pac-12 headquarters. And they need a legit ESPN or Fox TV deal. I think he wants some better kickoff times out of them. PK, it is awesome how invested people are into this. When, when you're so invested that you're, you're ready to decide where the conference office should be located, you are way in. <laughs> you are in the deep end of the pool.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, we, got, uh, we got more here. We got uh, people <laughs> tweeting at us. Uh, uh, <laughs> this was goofy. So Holly Menino used to work at Channel 2. And they got video of this cat. That so jumped. did I. Thank you. <laughs> got video of this cat that jumped out of a burning building and jumped down, uh, I don't know, it looks like off the fifth floor or something, mm-hmm. and then landed, bounced on his feet, and walks away. And uh, I've heard, I I, tweeted, I retweeted and said, I've heard cats can do this. I've never seen it until now. And Randy Dotson from Randy at Fairway says, I've heard at P.K. Kinahan has that skill. Are you a cat with nine lives, able to escape dangerous situations, single bound out of the building and all that stuff?
2: I'd have to think about that. (laughs) Uh,
0: I'm still here, so I guess so. Adam says, room service with a view, listening to DJ and PK while the family sleeps in. That's a win. He's on a balcony. He's got a whole spread of food in front of him. And there's sky and ocean in the distance, some kind of I don't know, bushes or something growing on a hillside. Yeah, he's eating breakfast food. Looks like uh, there's a muffin, and it looks like slices of fruit, watermelon Uh and cantaloupe and pineapple and whatever else. He's got a thing of yogurt there. And he's got his uh, BYU. uh, He's got a cougar blue pullover on, and he's got a uh, BYU hat on. Cougar. And and he, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a cougar through and through. And so I I said, where where are you listening? he said, St. Lucia. Or is it Yeah, apparently. Sweet. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, we had another listener who was listening to us uh, on a boat in the Keys uh, a few uh, weeks ago, maybe, I don't know, a month or two ago. And uh, when you go in that direction, then our time is, you know, 6 to 10. You So you're listening to us like, you know, 9 to 1 or whatever. I don't I don't know what time zone they're in there. Uh, 8 to noon or whatever. So, yeah, we're, we're a brunch show at that point. Nice. Winner. All right, that's kind of the feedback coming in today. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. Have a good weekend, and we will uh, we will talk to you on Monday, and the playing tournament will all be set, and we'll know if the Jazz are the one or the two seed. D.J. and P.K. brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision, Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. See you Monday. Party time. You have a great weekend, okay, buddy?